conservative patriot nation new members and returning members tonight we have a very fantastic show with a fantastic guest that is providing a bunch of the patriots in every community with a lot of knowledge and we are in the process of an awakening of learning many things that have been hidden from us and we will be doing a show with gene decode and before i start the show i'd like to recognize several of our sponsors Mike Lindell, a guy that's really been fighting a good fight. He has a lot of great products. The slippers he has is the most comfortable slippers I've ever put my feet in. And if you go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CPNN, you'll get up to 50, 66% off your purchase. And last but not least, I'd like to recognize the late, great Dr. Zlinko, a guy that really went to bat during the pandemic, and he has saved a lot of lives, and he is now passed on. And he has left some great gems and products for us. And there's great products for kids and autoimmune system boosters. And if you go to zstacklife.com and use promo code CPN, you'll get 5% off your purchase. And last but not least, Gene, thank you for joining us again. Oh, thank you, Mike, uh, Patriot Mike. It's an honor to be back. Absolutely, Gene. Um, I had a very uh, awesome, mind-blowing experience. I mean, I, I I was a kid again, and I've been doing this for three years pretty hard, trying to bring on great speakers to provide the people with information as God spoken to me and said, bring my people information and allow them to you know ask questions. So that's why I try to do most of my shows over on Telegram so the members can come on there instead of watching uh, a live video and you know they walk away with maybe the host's questions being asked they can ask it personally and this year I, I you know I really noticed that I was taken away from my family um, from all the time that I was investing you know doing this and, and working I really didn't have too much family time so like this year I said you know I'm going to spend some family time and, and just take a little break a little bit. And um, the universe works in strange ways, you know? So whenever we go on vacation with my aunt and my uncle, it's always a historic vacation. I mean, we went to Reno. Yeah. At night we may go to the casino and the, the resort that we stay at, but at seven o'clock in the morning, my uncle's like, you guys better be up. <laughs> We went to Virginia City, learned the history there. We went to Lake Tahoe. We went to the Donner Party site, um, Carson City. We went to um, a Pyramid Lake and to the Indian Reservation, which, oh, my God, that was just, that was really amazing. And so they were like, you know, let's do something different. We're going to do the uh, Oregon Trail and the Pioneer Journey. It's awesome. So we drove all the way from Wisconsin through uh, parts of Illinois, Iowa, made it to Nebraska, and we went to a great museum, uh, great guy. I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but his name was uh, Harold Warp. This man has everything throughout history at that facility. I mean, he has every car you can name. It's amazing. On, on the stuff that this man preserved. I mean, guns, credit cards first, everything. Uh, anyone out there that's listening, I would highly suggest, you know, if you're on vacation, um, especially if you got young ones, that would be a great place to bring them. 
And, and from there, we went to uh, the Kearney Museum, I believe, and it's that um, that like bridge arch over the highway, and it has all the history from when the pioneers um, were going down the Oregon Trail and, and all the history there, which was awesome. You know, and then from there, we went to uh, SAC, the Strategic Air Command, uh, museum with all the air, all the airplanes and whatnot. That was awesome. And then we start to get to South Dakota, and I'm like, holy cow, wow! Like the little kid came out of me. It, it was, it was like, wow. And we we went to Chimney Rock, and we went to Scotts Bluff, and we're driving. And my uncle's like, yeah, you know, these are all from volcanic ash and blah, blah, blah. And he kept on saying it, you know. I'm like, okay, great, 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 great. And, you know, you know, I've we've seen the pictures of the old-looking trees that were chopped down. And, I mean, I would see them on some of the awake group, uh, Tataria groups on Telegram, but I've never seen it in person. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, holy cow, I'm actually seeing this stuff in person. Like, I was so amazed and dazed. And he keeps, you know, he just kept on about the whole volcanic ash. And I'm like, you know, that's great. And I got to a point where I says, you know, I'm an independent thinker. And I says, I'm sure what you're saying is a regurgitated information from other people. I'm not trying to be rude. And he knows me, you know. And I says, you know, my wife, you know, she wants to believe that. I says, but you can't tell me that these structures that look like they were actually structured by a civilization is just volcanic ash that just mysteriously created these structures. And from there, we went to Wyoming. Uh, we stayed in Laramie. We went to Fort Laramie, which it was really sad. And I wish I could talk to maybe someone that is in Congress or whatnot on how that history is going to get destroyed if they don't have more <clears throat> um, employees that take that piece of history serious. And they didn't even charge us. And, and my aunt and my uncle was a little ticked off about that, you know, because that's one thing that they love is, is about history. And that's something that helps our generations behind us. And um, so we went there. We went over um, not far from Laramie where the pioneers carved their names in the rocks. And then we went um, from Laramie. When we stayed in Laramie, we traveled to Cheyenne Frontiers for the rodeo. But that drive from Laramie to Cheyenne, and I'm sure you've probably been in this area before, one thing that was really amazing is all those clusters of rocks that were just in different piles. And it went from rocks from small going all the way up with big rocks on top. And I'm like, wow, I'm looking at this and I'm like, and he keeps saying, oh, yeah, these are the volcano rocks. And I'm like, no, it, it's like some some being or something stacked them rocks. And, and I really would like to ask you if you had any knowledge of that because there seems like there's been a very ancient civilization past and and maybe present there may be um inner earth uh civilizations that 
once was there and I felt the energy. And even when we went to the Black Hills, Gene, and I'm sorry for talking so much, but I just don't want to forget my thought is when we were in the Black Hills and I remember you had an interview with Dr. Lee Merritt and you were talking about some beings that love the salt. And I remember when we were going through the Black Hills, my aunt was like, oh, yeah, you see all those piles right there? That's salt that's just coming up from the ground. So with all that, I'm like, man, I got to talk to Gene. You know, Gene, do you know about any ancient um, past that took place there? Yeah, so the San Luis Valley in um, southern Colorado, uh, you know, I backpacked from Cal, you know, all the way up in Canada, in the um, Assiniboine area, the Alberta, British Columbia, down the Rockies, all the way down through Montana in, you know, the uh, glacier area in the um, Yellowstone area, which is a super volcano. It's one of the big, huge super volcanoes on Earth. But as you go further down, you know, also, of course, right next to that is the... Um, in Wyoming is the uh, Tetons, which I backpacked around them. And then as you further go down the Rocky Mountain chain into Colorado, you have what's called, and I did this in a uh, decode on the ant people. In the San Luis Valley, the great sand dunes, that sand was not blown in. It was excavated by the ant people that helped save the Hopi during a time of uh, the last time we passed through the photon bill. But that whole area, that whole valley, the San Luis Valley, you have the uh, Sangrity Cristo Range, Blood of Christ, on the wet, uh, let's see, eastern side. And you have the Garita Mountains on the northwestern side. And you have the south, southern San Juans on the south side that goes into the Dulce area, into New Mexico. And uh, just um, years and years ago, did a backpack in the West Elk Wilderness area, which is in that area, it's West Elk Wilderness area. It's part of the eruption. The West Elk's mountain range in Colorado the whole mountain range is part of the was deposited during eruption of that super volcano. It's one of the it's way bigger than Yellowstone. It's been dormant for a very long time. It erupts about every 650,000 years. So we're still about 200,000 years off. It erupted 450,000 years ago. When those super volcanoes erupt, they can send stones, what are called cannonballs, uh, volcanic cannonballs the size of a VW, you know, or even bigger sometimes of a VW Beetle that can go thousands of miles. In the entire West Elk Wilderness area, where my wife and I went to do a backpack, we were supposed to do a loop. And I got to this cliff that was just crumbly, about 2,000 foot high, and the trail was starting actually to crumble down into the valley. And I'm like, no, we're not doing this. That crumbles and you lose it. And it it showed me, though, how incredible the mountain goats in Colorado are. Because there was a mountain goat family that was standing on the edge of the trail in front of me. And when they saw me, they took off down this 2,000-foot cliff. 
running down the cliff. I thought for sure they're going to fall to their death. And they ran all the way down this 2,000 foot cliff in less than five minutes, hit from rock to rock as the rocks fell away. It literally reminded me of that scene in the book, uh, or in The Hobbit, in the uh, Battle of Five Armies, in which uh, Legolas is running across a bridge. Uh, as it's falling apart and hitting the rocks as it falls. If you're in really good shape, you can do that. And you're really fast. I've done where I run on boulder fields in, in the mountains, in the Rockies. And I'll run so fast that I'll hit a rock and it'll fall out from under me as I hit it because it's loose. But I just hit it so fast that it doesn't matter. So uh, these huge volcanoes, the West Elk, wilderness area that whole mountain range is nothing but deposited ash and i just finished a week sabbatical uh in southern colorado area kind of not quite that area but around the combination of areas that come together three wilderness areas come together i love the colorado wilderness areas they're incredible and i've done some down into new mexico where you can see that ash but in this wilderness area it was called the raggeds the ash has been pressurized underneath what at that time was the inland sea into what is shale. And so you see this huge, again, terrible rock to, to go down. It's shale just crumbles and you can have what seems to be your, your pitons or your, your, your pins or your nuts for your climbing gear into the rock, into a huge crack with a huge chunk of rock and the whole thing will give away and fall. Something weighing a ton will fall away from the rock that you're climbing on. It's terrible to climb on. It just essentially nearly impossible. It's some people do, but I, I just don't. I've climbed all my life and that stuff, I like granite and, you know, I can do sandstone, but shale is worse than sandstone. So the, um, Raggeds has the same ash that's been deposited, but it was underneath the inland sea at that time. So it was pressurized into shale. And a lot of the fracking is done in northwestern Colorado, northeastern Colorado, southeastern Wyoming, uh, up into Montana. That's underground as oil penetrates that. And it's called oil shell. And they'll go drill down and then expect this set off explosive charges that breaks up the rock and then they pump the oil out. And of course it makes the ground unstable when you get earthquakes because you're breaking up the foundation underneath the earth. But the shale contains that whole area of Colorado, Wyoming, up into Montana is a massive, up the, all the way into Canada, is the world's largest oil reserve on earth. It It's far more massive than all of Saudi Arabia and all of UAE and all of that put together. It's incredibly, if they were to tap that, if the US and Canada were to tap that, they would never need, they would be energy dependent for the next thousand years. It's that big because as you use oil, it replenishes itself. It's a huge aquifer. So that whole, all that shale is porous to water or oil. And so as the water goes in, it slows down, it deposits the hydrocarbons in these layers and layers of rock. And the pressure from above, you know, the water floats on top of that, on those hydrocarbons. The pressure from above then compresses the hydrocarbons into what we call oil. 
And so that's how oil forms. It only takes it about 10 years to form. It's called gasification. It's why you see in landfills, they will, when a landfill is no longer going to be used, they put big, huge plastic pipes, usually four to eight to 12 feet in diameter across all honeycomb, like, you know, kind of a network of ant farm kind of like thing. When you have an ant farm, you see all their tunnels. They have this all on top and then they lay the dirt on top of that. And they have pipes that stick up in the air. And within a month of doing that, covering that landfill up with dirt because of the pressure, you'll see gasification occurring at night. You come by, you'll see those pipes burning the gas as the hydrocarbons from plastics and the food we throw away and all of those things get compressed. It's gasifying. It's giving off butane and methane and propane, all the various gases. This is turning back into the oil, like the plastics and all the plants and everything else. You know, the hydrocarbons settle out and it gasifies. So they could actually use landfills once they're done to have the gases, the propane, the methane, the butane. And then 10 years later, you can often on landfills go to the near the bottom of the hill and you'll see crude oil soaking out from underneath the dirt. So they could tap that and use that. But of course, they don't. They want to soak us it and make us impoverished. So that ex I hope that explains to you what you're seeing up in that area around Cheyenne and all of that. That's from that eruption of that huge San Luis Valley, which the caldera is you know the San Luis Valley is actually the caldera, and then the rim of the volcano is the mountain ranges of the San the Sangre de Cristos, La Garita, and Southern San Juans. It's it's massive. It's one of the very biggest on Earth. Go ahead, Patriot Mike. Yeah, thank you for that. That gave me a lot of confirmations there. Because um, when we were driving through. South Dakota on our way to Wyoming, I just I just see these structures that look like mountains and and you know it kind of looks like the trees that were chopped down. And I'm just like wow, you know. So I really appreciate that that confirmation. And um, from Cheyenne, we stayed there for the Cheyenne Frontiers, and every day we were going and doing historic sites before. We went to the rodeo and then uh, we did the rodeo for three days and then we head over to Deadwood and wow, that was another, that was another mind blowing um, adventure because uh, we went to the crazy horse site where they're building crazy horse and a stone um, that that was pretty amazing as well. And we went to uh, Mount Rushmore. We drove through uh, Colonel Custer State Park. Um, what was pretty strange, though, is um, my uncle's like, yeah, we can we can go see the buffalo. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. And so we the the people that does like the check in, the guy's like, yeah, there's a herd right over there around the corner. So we turned around, we we found the herd, but it was probably, I would say, maybe 100 to 200. And we were reading the pamphlet, and they said it was anywhere, I would say, around like 2,000 in the herd of buffalo that's on the, the park. And we were driving, 
man, we seen the the donkeys, yes. And my uncle's like, you know, that's weird. You know, we've been coming here for 30 years and the buffalo's all over the place. You know, that that was a nice size herd, but they're a lot bigger. This is this is a little strange. And we were driving past, I believe it was the bison something center, and there was two military um soldiers standing there guarding that entrance. They weren't letting no one go to that center. And I, I, I was like, that's kind of weird. I said, you know, I've seen all these park rangers. You know, why would they use military soldiers? That's kind of weird, you know. And my brain was all over the place on that one. I, I really don't know what that was for. And so then we made our way to Mount Rushmore. And I, I tell you, Gene, I felt so much energy. Like, there's so much energy in that area. Like, and I'm sure you may have a little bit of idea on, like, what's really in them areas but i'm like there is something fantastic about this portion of the world like i've never i've i mean i've been to reno and virginia city and all that but like i felt this energy i felt like spirits around me i, I can't even explain it i'm like wow like i was just amazed and when I made it back home and I was able to decompress a little bit, I'm just like, you know, there's some type of ancient past in that area. That landmark is just unbelievable. And my, my uncle uh, was telling us about this big hole that they cut in the ground in the mountain in Deadwood. And when we were done with that, we went and traveled up there and... I guess the miner, the, they don't do the mining anymore, so that's been shut down, allegedly. And they had a museum there, and we went into the museum, and I just couldn't imagine. I was just mind-blown on how they were hinting that, you know, there's other life forms outside of humans to where they dug down, what was it, 8,000 and something feet down, and they were they found, like, some life and they said, well, if there's life down here, there's life on Mars. And then it's talking about dark matter. And then there was a television on the wall. You press the button and you watch um, this. Uh, he's, he has a Ph.D. in uh, like native teaching or whatnot. And my aunt's like, come here and watch this with me. And we're sitting there watching it. And he, and he was explaining about a Lakota Indian woman. I believe her name was something red cheekbone. I guess she was very beautiful and all the Indians used to travel from distance to try to court her and she wasn't giving none of them a time of day. And I guess one day they were sitting around and some fella came walking through and she said, it's not like he was walking, he was floating. And right then and there, she's like, you know, he's going to be my husband. Somehow, you know, they must've talked and hit it off. And he went to ask, the Indian tribe, if it was okay for him to marry her and the Indian tribe leaders or whatnot must've said, you know, it's, a, you know, yes, it's okay. And he said, I just want to let you know, I'm not from here. And he showed them the star system that he was from. And I'm like, wow. Um, so with all, with all that, 
was there another civilization that was visiting that area out west uh humanoid extraterrestrials or whatever you want to call it um because i i, I really strongly feel like there has been like some ancient past and civilizations that was once in those areas i was just wondering if you knew about that gene yeah so you have of course the ant people that were in the uh that huge area during the eruption 200,000 years ago and also that the volcano is so massive that it has portion portion partial eruptions so the the small one created the alps the small eruption the main eruption of the when that went primarily was at two different times it it has a very long cycle between eruptions so it erupted 28 million years ago in whole and that's what created the um, the shale because it was at that time the inland sea was there, and I go into that on deep dives on the expanding Earth and on my rumble I show, explain about that. And during that time, the indigenous ant people of Earth took the Hopi underground for the pass through of the photon belt and the rain of fire. That is what triggered that eruption to happen. Uh, to some degree, uh, we weren't actually passing. I have to look at my time frames. I don't think we're actually in the middle of the pass through, but it would, it still was affecting it. And then also there was an eruption. You know, again, it erupts. It it erupts primarily um, on a twenty-eight million year cycle. So it simmered down about twenty-six point five million years ago, and then you've had it simmers down, and you have little small eruptions like the one that created the West Elk. And during that time, you know, at following that, you had the ant people that are from off Earth that are not a good one that came here to that area. Additionally, down deep into the Earth in the mantle, you, you have beings that are the oldest living beings on Earth. They were here before the Earth was solid. They came from another area, but they're actually non-terrestrial, so to speak. When Earth was a moon of Tiamat, it was called Kingu, and it was orbiting between Mars. It was actually orbiting Tiamat, which is between Mars and Jupiter before Jupiter got its ring, Saturn got its rings from the ejection of the material of the water and some the Mars got its two moons, Phobos and Denos, from that destruction of Tiamat. And so you had these beings that are coming to Earth for a very, 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 very long time. The Archons, for example, haven't been here that long compared to some of these beings. The, the lava whales are the only thing that survived the last full destruction of all life on Earth that happened about 4.5 billion years ago when the Earth has or you know, got solid about 4.7 billion years ago, got a solid crust all the way around inside and outside. And if you look, they said life did not come up for hundreds of millions of years after the earth was solid. It had no oceans, no, no seas. That's impossible because what caused it to cool down was the fact that the volcanism created water with hydrogen and oxygen coming together with the heat. And that's what caused the crust to cool down in the first place. 
So you had first long inland seas that then created an area for the life that we know now to get a foothold, but that life didn't come from here either. The life that got a foothold in the first place is not from our system either. And it was seeded and brought in. And then of course, as you get sentient species like human and mankind and those things, human primarily, as we envision the things we need to experience in life, that goes into the singularity that is at the center of every person, every star, every planet, every atom. It's what they call dark matter. There is no such thing as dark matter. Dark matter is actually the gravitational wave First, it comes out as the light from the word of God comes the light. And that comes out from the singularity in every star and everything as light wave. And that light wave then drops down density and energy levels and forms matter and energy as we know it. And that ha that's has life. Everything's alive because the one God of all creation is a living God. So every single thing, even planets and solar systems and galaxies and stars are living beings. And then they're, they have living beings on them and in them as well, just like we do. Our mitochondria are single-celled organisms found living in nature that create all the energy for our body, what's known as ATP. They're occurred, we have an agreement and they work with us. For us, you have bioflora and fauna in your gut that helps you dissolve your food that you, your body has learned to communicate and use. And they're no longer parasitic to you. They're symbiotic. And that's what all life tries to do is even parasites are moving towards when they find a host to try to get to affect the host less and less and less because they want to create progeny and exist and continue to exist. Killing the host does not facilitate that. So you want to eventually come to where you're symbiotic with the host so that now you're helping the host and the host wants you to be there because you're helping the host. And so it becomes a win-win situation. That's how God works. Everything is created to support everything else. And so as that continues, then the earth, you know, as the rains continued and rained down, you had first the lava and then it cooled down because of the rain. And that created a solid crust on the inside and outside. And the magma was trapped in between the inner and outer crust, like a uh, caramel kind of shell, you know, inside a shell, so to speak. And so the lava whales are in there. But there was what was called in that ancient time between 4.75 million years ago and about 4.4 million years ago, when they say life started, uh, that's not actually what was called the Precambrian. There was life. They don't go like in the bottom of the Grand Canyon and dig down two or three hundred feet below the Precambrian layer. Below the Precambrian layer, you'll find vast advanced civilizations. They were more advanced than where we are today, and they were developing scalar waves and they created a war. The same negative groups here trying to manipulate and do things and people were impatient and the alliance was working to get the bad guys cleared out and people got impatient. And so there was a vast war. I have this on Gene Unscripted on my website on GeneDeco.org that this war wiped out all life on Earth, which was Kingu at the time, to the point where 
even the microbes, viruses were wiped out. And the only thing that survived it because they were in the lava were the lava whales. All other life was destroyed and they don't want to go below the Precambrian and look for that because they don't want humanity to know their ancient past because we were there during that time. Part of us escaped the devastation and left this whole solar system and then came back later. And so in those that left, they have that history, but they don't want the human race to know how incredibly ancient they are, even on this sphere. So if you go below the Precambrian, I mean, it, life exists everywhere. You're not going to have 200 million years or more with nothing. You have oceans, you have seas. At that time, there were seas because you didn't get them salty yet. So they were fresh on top of the crust of the earth, uh, both inside and outside, freshwater seas. And as the rain came down through the you know, mountains and that, it eroded and picked up salts into the seas. <clears throat> and then the seas create pressure and the eroding material carried into them creates more pressure. And so you create sandstone and that's weak compared to volcanic. So uh, in other words, igneous rock, and then metamorphic rock, the sandstone, you know, as it gets pressurized and all of that and infused and reheated, you can get metamorphic rock, which is strong as well, but sandstone is not. And so what wound up happening eventually is the, the pressure is pushing the rock beneath the sea down into the magma underneath it, and it's eroding it and getting thinner and thinner with sandstone building up, so it gets weak, so you get a crack starting to form. If cracks were forming... But and the plates were starting to develop, but they weren't completely independent plates yet. And that happened in a war, the first war of Gilgamesh, in which it ripped the entire plates apart in, in a matter of hours. And the continents came to sit where they are today, within 40 feet of where they are today, all within hours. And all of this and the oceans opened up and all of this happened. It's why you can verify this very easily by looking and getting, there's a gentleman that, a, I think he's Swedish, did core samples all over the world on the oceans too, on the floors of the oceans. There are no ocean floors except off of Indonesia and parts of Malaysia that are over 245 million years old which means there was no Pacific, no Atlantic, and the, they're, they're 245 million years old. Anywhere else, they're not much over 200 million, even less than that. So you're saying that, and that's all volcanic rock under the ocean. There's no sandstone or anything down there. That means all of that has been deposited and it measures the same until you get close to the mid-Pacific, mid-Atlantic and Indian Ocean rifts. That means those are new and all that other that has the same age, a few hundred million years, all those oceans formed at the same time simultaneously. And the continents came to where they are pretty much now within about 40 feet. You have 40 feet more buildup along the ridges on each edge. But other than that, you don't have subduction zones. If you had subduction zones, for example, at the edge of a continent, you would have like you push your hand, if I push my hand on the back of my hand, my fingers on it, you'll pile up skin 
you'll pile up debris on the, you would have huge mountain ranges. You don't have that. You don't have that. Also, it is against the laws of physics where if you have a heavier material on top and you have a lighter material going under it, that's not how things work due to the laws of buoyancy. So you know what they're telling you about the age of the earth, how the continents are moving, how the continents are formed, how long they sat where they did, why they sit where they do, all of that. For example, the Finger Lakes too, what they say caused the Finger Lakes, not just across North and South America, or excuse me, not South America, but North America and across Europe and Siberia, they're all at the same angle. They say there was a meter bombardment, but all the lakes not only are at the same angle, they're the same size. If you look at the ones in South Carolina and also in Estonia and Latvia and those areas, they're the same size. Volcano, or excuse me, meteors when they rain down are not all the same size. They're various sizes. If they're all the same size, you're having something crash into the earth, but it's certainly not a meteor. And in those lakes, we don't find meteor debris. There's nothing. What you had was non-terrestrials purposely crashing their ships into the huge ice sheets to get them to melt, to create catastrophic flooding and destruction so they, they could then enslave the, the people that survived the destruction. Go ahead, Patriot Mike. Wow, that's interesting. And, and you were saying if they dug down in the Grand Canyon, they would find like uh, advanced ancient civilizations. And when you were saying that, it just reminded me when we uh, stopped at the Badlands. And I'm like, like, wow, this is something when I looked at the Grand Canyons, like it looks kind of identical to it. I mean, would, would the same be for in the Badlands? Because that's another uh, amazing site that we uh, stopped at. Now, again, the Badlands is part of that same volcanic eruption, all of that area there. But if you, the Grand Canyon, where the Colorado River just happens to be flowing, the Colorado River did not form the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon formed in three days. So once the Earth was displaced as a moon from Tiamat, once the destruction happened, it came to rest in the orbit it's now in. And after that, Venus went by, which was another moon, then came to rest where it does today. When it went by, it's just like when you rub your feet across a carpet and you reach for a doorknob and you get a spark. You're equalizing once the distance of resistance of the air in between you and the doorknob is not enough to stop the transmission of the electrical current. It'll jump. And in the case of Venus, when it went by, that when it got close enough that the distance in space, the waters and different things in space in between it weren't enough, it arced. The first strike was the outside Flagstaff, the huge crater that the guy that bought it, bought it to get the iron from the meteor that hit there. There is no iron meteor that hit there. He dug down and dug down. There was nothing there. Then he got geologists come out to try to figure out why that's there and they analyze the crater and the rim and normally if you have an impact as the material is thrown out if you do it with your hands you can see it take your hands and invert your hands as you open your arms the tops of your hands the newer part that would be the newer part geologically speaking will bind up on the bottom and the older part will be on the top of the crater rim 
But in that one in Arizona, in, outside Flagstaff, to the north east of Flagstaff, the newer stuff is on the top, not on the bottom. That's an electric arc. It is just throwing out debris as it's cutting. And so it cuts and doesn't do it doesn't layer it that way, the way a meteor would. And so that's the first strike. And then if you look at the Grand Canyon from space, it looks like electrical etching. When you do electrical etching, for example, on metal, if you were to expand with an electron microscope, that metal and look at it, it looks like the Grand Canyon literally in depth too. And so the Grand Canyon was cut in three days as the as Venus passed by. That's why where you look when the Colorado River before all the dams like the Glen Canyon Dam and all these other dams cut off all the water flow, it emptied into the Bay of California. You would expect from that amount of debris removed, where did it go? Well, where would it go? In the case of the Nile or in the case of the Missouri River or the Mississippi River, it empties into the ocean. I know in summary, you have to know where those are so you don't run into them because they go out way far. Those deltas empty hundreds of miles sometimes and fall down the edge of the continental shelf. That's not the case in the Bay of California because it's solid volcanic rock up in there. There's no sand or debris in there that should be there from the Grand Canyon being if it were cut by the Colorado River eroding it. It's why you see humpback whales when they leave Hawaii on their trip to and up and back between Hawaii and Alaska. They go up in there to rub the barnacles off because the, the bottom of the water there is not incredibly deep and they can get down there easily and rub along that hard volcanic rock that then can tear off their barnacles. So they do that twice a year as they migrate, they go into that area to, to rub the barnacles. It would be useless if it was sandy down there. It's not going to be you know able to sand off. It's just going to move as they swim through it. So it's just like muddy, you know, down there. It's not going to really be like rubbing against solid rock. And like you see bears and things with tree bark. If you try to itch yourself on sand, it doesn't really work very well. You try to scrub off something with your skin. Yeah, you could rub the sand back and forth in if it's dry, but in water, it just gets kind of muddy-like. So what they're telling you about everything on the earth, you know, pretty much darn the majority of what they tell you is wrong. Some things they say are true, but not much. Dark mass and dark energy is another lie. It's the binding force that binds and overcomes the Coulomb force, which is the repulsion of lighter particles. So in the atom's nucleus, unless hydrogen, which only has one proton, after that, every single element has two or more. Helium has two. Lithium has three. Beryllium, four. Boron, you know, hydrogen, helium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, for example, has eight. Those eight protons, along with the neutrons that make the various isotopes, like you have heavy water, two types of heavy water, because you have hydrogen with no neutron, one neutron, two neutrons, et cetera. So you have heavy water and heavier water, deuterium and tritium, because it has do two neutrons, tritium, three neutrons, where normally hydrogen just has one neutron. 
So one, two, and three. So your normal water would be H2O, two hydrogens with one neutron. Well, the neutrons are ne neutral, so they don't repel each other. But the protons, when we get into any element with more than one proton, you have what's called the repulsion force, called the Coulomb force, which is extremely powerful. Why doesn't the, nu the nucleus of an atom explode? Because there's a binding force. So when they first started trying to figure out what it was, not knowing much of the old history, not having access to it, the scientists at the time said, well, it's binding the nucleus. It's really strong nuclear, strong nuclear force. That's not existent. It's gravity going back to the singularity, which is a push. It's pushing it back together. It's pushing it down as it's going into the singularity. The singularity that's at the center, just one, Asim Herman did these calculations and came up with what's called an elegant solution using Einstein's six primary equations in which he you know, did quantum physics and all that from, and E equals MC squared and all that. He came down to six equations, and but he could not get it refined to a singular equation to explain how gravity, for example, and electricity and magnetism are interrelated. Of course, they've solved that now because they have things like the TR3 that uses gravity control vehicles and the TR7s and all the TR craft like we saw <clears throat> that were not being allowed to participate in the Lahaina situation by the Cabal's um, aircraft because they're People think, you know, I see a lot of people talking about Lahaina saying that that was done by satellite, the directed energy weapons there. Uh, microwave systems cannot penetrate through the layers of upper atmosphere water. You have to have them on aircraft if you're going to use microwaves or you can do drones. In this case, it was aircraft. It's Project Nimbus, I believe it's called, in which they have these microwave systems where you see you can target a house. I saw a picture in Lahaina where they had a house that was completely just destroyed and the metals are melting. You have metal aluminum and steel and things that are melting at temperatures way higher than any forest fire can get and glass melting way higher than a forest fire can get. Yet a plastic trash bin is sitting next to a melted car. The plastic didn't melt and then there's a wood railing that didn't melt either. But the part of the railing fell off because the metal of the steel of the nails melted. So when you, like in a microwave, you put aluminum in there, you get sparking. It heats up the metal, but it doesn't heat up the organic materials as fast. If you look at the pine, uh, the uh, not the pine trees, excuse me, the palm trees in Lahaina, they should have, the palm trees are grass. That's a grass. It bursts into flames pretty easy. It'll boil and burst and you know, it has tons of water in it. But at those temperatures, those, pine, those palm trees should be gone. The leaves on the trees around this house is completely incinerated, should be gone. The leaves near the railing that are dry are still there next to the car that's melted. The hood of a Jeep is gone. The, the brake calipers are melted. Yet the, another car, just the front half is melted and the back half, the paint and everything is fine. So, you know, these directed energy weapons are tapping in. The energy to supply that is that same, what they call dark energy, 
but is actually the binding force of the gravity going back into the quantum level. At the quantum level, I believe it was in Russia, it's either Cassini or Cassiri or something like that, I can't get the name right right now. He was able finally to measure down to the Planck distance, mill two plates, one Planck distance apart. And they had done calculations that said the amount of energy there is 10 to the 95th power grams per centimeter per centimeter squared. So that's more. They said that can't be right because it's 10 to the 55th power for the entire mass and energy structure of the universe. How can the Planck distance and every single Planck distance have more power than the entire universe? Because you're going down to where the word of God is emanating. More power than everything. Obviously, because he is everything. <laughs> he created everything and it did some and beyond that. So you have this incredible massive energy potential that they call, they, when they calculated the just mathematically down there, they said that can't be there. It can't be there. That's impossible. So they did what is called renormalization. Because we don't believe it exists, we're going to calculate what it is. We got the calculation, and physics is called a nasty infinity. You have two infinities, incredibly small, infinitely small. You can ignore that. It's not relevant in a calculation. Or massively, infinitely large. Well, that's nasty because it shouldn't be there by their understanding. So what they did is they took a cubic centimeter and figure out how many Planck volumes are in a cubic centimeter and multiplied that out by how many are in there. And they subtract that out from every calculation after that. So then when they looked at the redshift, they said, what's supplying the energy for that? And then for 50 years, it's accelerated. Where's the acceleration coming from? Well, real simple. You renormalized it out of your equations, put it back in, and you'll figure it out. But they didn't do that. They just said, it's something we can't see. Well, you measured it in the experiment, and you found out the guy that did that in Russia got a Nobel Prize and proved it was there. And they use it for the free energy devices. That's why they want you to call to call it black energy and not realize it's just gravity going into the quantum distance, going into the singularity that is God at the center of everything. That's why you have quantum entanglement. The same singularity is everywhere. God's everywhere. And so when you do all of these mathematical you know, jumps and hoops and all these games, you have to name things new. So you get down even further down to the quark and you have, again, positive forces and negative forces really even closer together. So now it's got to be incredibly strong. It's coloring him as a color force. <laughs> it's like they just make it up as they go because they don't want us to know all of these massive energy sources. So they don't have to rely on petroleum anymore because the, you have infinite free energy at the Planck distance everywhere and even lower down than that. You have an incredible amount of energy available everywhere there is. You could literally have something the size smaller than the head of a pin that would power your entire house if it tapped that energy. Something the size of a shoebox would power the entire front range from Montana down to Mexico. I mean, all along the Rocky Mountain chain till it runs out down in, in New Mexico and, and in Mexico it has that much power available.
you wouldn't need solar power. You wouldn't need wind power. Because why do they want that? Because they're making a fortune off of it. It's not renewable. Where do you get the rare elements from that go in to make those? A very few areas in the world have those, and they require mining. And what mines? Either people by their bare hands, which is most of the case in Africa, or big, huge machines, which are using what? Diesel? <laughs> so it's not green in number one. And once you disperse it out in Tesla cars and batteries and all of these things, they last 10 to 15, 20 years at the top end, windmills, all of this stuff, it goes into a landfill and it's evenly distributed across the earth and it's not able to be renewed. It's gone, done. It, that's just their biggest money laundering scheme they ever came up with. Trillions and trillions of dollars. Now they're going to say after burning Lina, we're going to make it a smart city and we're going to have it all green renewable. Again, it's not green. It's not renewable. It's based on technologies that are useless compared to what they're using in their secret space programs. That energy is renewable. It's there forever and it's easy to tap. It's not hard. And it gives you anti-gravitic systems, which is the last reason they don't want us to have it. That's why you saw things like the Jetsons, because we could have been the Jetsons when the Jetsons came out. They had that technology at that time, but they don't want humanity to have true freedom and escape the planet and escape the petrodollar and all this. And now it's all coming down. BRICS is Jasara. Gold-backed currencies fair world order, respecting autonomy and the country's resources and not going in and imposing your form of government, your diversified government, whatever you want to call, whatever it is they're doing, the neocons are doing, whatever you want to believe, that's fine. However, you don't sit there and do like the U.S. has done. 63 color revolutions since the Berlin Wall fell. Oh, no, we're not an expanding, colonizing empire. How come we have military bases all over the world? Did Stalin do that? Yeah, he was a monster. Yeah, he expanded the borders of Russia into the Soviet Union. But did he build bases everywhere all over the world and go do color revolutions all over the world? And when it went away, is Russia doing that now? No. What are they? They're a Orthodox Christian group of people that have family values based on respecting children, raising them the way you should by the laws of God that are written down in the Bible and all of these different things. And so they're not wanting people to look at the truth. They're going, we will support Ukraine for as long as it takes. As long as it takes to do what? get rid of every Ukrainian in there because now they're going through and they're going to, they're saying they're going to do a 300,000 to 3 million million people mobilization. And they're bringing people back from Poland that escaped and from all over the EU, they're forcing, you know, those people to be sent back. They're extraditing to go into the next offensive with two or three weeks training to do what walk across a minefield like they're doing now, men and women now. 
And how did that work for the, let's look at history. How did that work for the Germans when they started inscripting everybody, including 16, 15 year old, 60, 71 year old man driving a tank was, you know, captured by the, the Russians now in Ukraine? I mean, come on. When you're that old or you're that young, you war, as Scott Ritter said, is for young men. It's not a place. You got to be tight, you know, meat eating, thin, rough and tough. I mean, you know, that's why you don't see football players 70 years old. <laughs> you know, there's a reason. Rugby players, 60s. Yeah, you don't see that for a reason. Or 16. There's a reason why that is. It has to do with the way our bodies are at those ages now with the way human is. And so when they say as long as it takes, they want to get rid of everybody so BlackRock and those companies can go in and just steal it all. And they're saying that Russia is this huge empire that wants to go and put bases and do and take over and do color revolutions. Have they? Have they? Let's look at the history. Who has done that? Who has bases all over the world? I think we don't have to look further than in the mirror. <laughs> you know, it's pretty easy. Uh, all you have to do with the neocons is just whatever they say the Russians and, and the India and China and all these people are doing, just flip it to the West. <laughs> you know, it's exactly the same thing. It's just like they do with everything else. And you know, we're going to support and send billions of dollars more to Ukraine, but what did we give to the people in Lahaina? $700. It's like $350 in the mainland U.S. How long will that last you? A trip to the grocery store for a family. That's all that is. What about their homes that are gone? What about what would $60 billion that we sent for this failed counteroffensive? Oh, they're pushing, are they steadily making steady ground? What? Robertino, we took it today, we lost it tomorrow. <laughs> we lost it tonight, we took it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. This has been going on for weeks. We lost it at night, we took it today. We lost it yesterday, too, last night, too, and the night before that. We took it the day, day. It's in the flex zone, it's in the gray zone. It's not even the first line. Yeah, there's layers of defense in the gray zone, but it's not the main three layers of defense. This is the games they play where they make up stories and rules and say, this is what they're doing on and on and on. It's nothing at all what they're doing. It's the same thing you were saying, Patriot Mike, with they don't want the Native Americans and Crazy Horse and all of these legendary people and the 500 communities of Native Americans that live pretty much peacefully on this continent until the conquistadors and the various European groups showed up. Go ahead, Patriot Mike. That's my huge ramble. <laughs> it's a no, that was awesome information. It was truthful. I mean, you know, and it's sad that I seen uh, an article come past that the insurance companies aren't going to compensate the people in Mali. Um, that was really kind of heartbreaking and mind blowing. Considering what happened to those people. Yep. So I would say what the lawyers of the good lawyers in the U.S. need to do, put together a class action suit for them and sue those companies, hit them where they belong to be hit in their pocketbooks. There's a contract that's signed. Give them their due share. They have a contract with you, a 
contract for their insurance to replace their home during an emergency situation like a fire. It's covered. Pay them. Lawyers that are listening, you'll make a fortune. Sue them. Get together and do a class action suit against all of the insurance companies that are not giving the people of Lahaina the money they're due and get them what they're due. And you'll make a fortune in your attorney fees. Thank you, Patriot. Mike, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're you're good. I, I have two more things. I don't I don't want to hold you on too much more before we close out. Um, as we're on the 22nd anniversary year of 9-11, if you can shed some light on the truth on 9-11 for those that will be listening to this podcast that um has been hoodwinked and, and has no clue of the truth behind that. And if you can just share a little bit insight on because I was listening to the, the interview with you and Dr. Lee Merritt. That was that was an awesome interview. I mean, I could probably go on for another hour with you on that one. But uh, you spoke of, I believe it was the Jupiter Accords, and you went on an off-world meeting. I just want to ask, how was that experience? You know, like, because um, when we hear things like that, it's like, oh, wow, you know, that's amazing. So I, I just wanted to close out with those two. Yeah, so... The Jupiter, of course, I did the uh, part of a pre-brief of, you know, what's going on on the ground and then kind of a debrief afterwards. Uh, not me personally, I was just kind of a small figure in it, kind of giving an on-the-ground perspective, uh, more of under-the-ground perspective <laughs> of what's going on under the ground on Earth, more than, you know, with the same thing. And, and to go back to Lahaina, where did all the school buses go that left and where are the over right. 100 children go that are still missing? They you know, Gene, that that's not to cut you off. That's something that me and uh, the members were talking on my chat not long ago is those kids all have parents. Right. And all them adult parents has parents. And they don't only have family in Hawaii. They have family that's outside of Hawaii, like in the States. Something doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? There would be massive family members on every local's uh, television station. So I, I'm almost wondering if there's a whole nother thing behind the scenes that they're really not talking about. But I'm sorry to cut you off. That was just something that came to my mind. Yeah, there's so much behind the scenes going on with this. It's off the chart. We are in a hot war. If you take and look at the fires on Earth right now, how many places are on fire? There's never been anything like this in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. As long as we've had records, we've never seen fires all over the Earth. There's island, Spanish island in the Caribbean. There's uh, all kinds of bizarre things going on, like what just a earthquake in Mo uh, what is it? Morocco, up in the mountains in Morocco. I mean, a very rare event. All these very rare events all at the same time. Uh, what we saw with 911, look at Paradise Valley and look at Lahaina. At certain temperatures, aluminum will melt. But at other temperatures, even more so, it'll turn to ash. Steel will do the same. There's also, you can tie carrier frequencies in that will break the molecular bonds of the metal itself. So it'll break down into its components and turn to just ash like we saw blowing through 
during 911. There was ash everywhere, but people didn't look up when there were supposedly planes hitting a building over your head and they're reading a newspaper and you see in Jurassic Park, you see all that vibration when the dinosaur is supposedly walking, the ground tremors. You sit underneath the airport runway out at any airport, major airport, where you got big, huge jets coming in and sit that distance underneath the jet with your newspaper and a cup of coffee and watch your coffee in your newspaper and you'll see it tremble and shake like crazy. Yet it didn't. And you it's almost deafening. You do that very long. You you can take it once or twice, but you do that very long, you'll start getting hearing damage. They don't even look up because there are no jets. What hit the buildings? A whole lot of weaponry. You have a parking lot that looks like Lahaina or Paradise Valley that's two blocks away from the trade towers. All the cars are melted. The glass is melted. Same exact thing. Anything that has metal is melting and disintegrating. Things that are organic are not, except for those that are exposed directly inside them, like in a vehicle. You're like in a microwave oven when those microwave energy weapons hit. So we see the beams when the building is being, like they said, for Tower 7. The I think the police came in and told the fire department they're going to pull the building. You need to you need to get your people back. They're going to pull the building, Building 7, like they showed in um, the movie with Bruce Willis uh, in Die Hard, where they had 13 trash trucks full of gold bars. Because what's in the bottom of Building 7? Gold of the Federal Reserve of New York, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, all that gold that they've stolen from us. So they stole it from themselves so they can say, oh, we don't know where it went when the building fell and all of that missing $2.3 trillion that Donald Rumsfeld talked about back then. Just what do you think that was? They showed you ahead of time. We're going to take it out by trash trucks. And then we're going to go into these underground things we dug for water that's not yet on and move the trash trucks out and put them on a barge and take them out to sea. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's like they tell you ahead of time. They show you ahead of time every single time. You look at all that ash. You can see some of the cars in Paradise and in Lahaina. The aluminum and steel is actually turning to ash. That's dustification weapons of a scalar weapon tied into a microwave system that can break the atomic bonds itself and break it into ash. So you see the beams, the big huge steel beams as their trade towers are coming down. One of them actually gets more than 20 degree less and it pulls down into the footprint. How does it do that? That's why they call it pulling a building. They can pull buildings that are leaning 45 degrees over into their footprint. Because when you have on the base of the building and it, every 10th floor or 20th floor, you have nanotechnology level of what is called nanothermite, only made in a couple places on Earth by the U.S. in very high security areas. One of them is Alamogordo. And they put that on buildings when they build them. All of them have them because no company would insure a company that's going to build a building here. And if that building fell on a near building because it was built wrong and the insurance company would be would lose a fortune. 
They have to be able, if the building starts to fall, to pull it into its footprint. They have radio devices on those that do what you saw the trade towers doing. Unzipping, <clears throat> you see what looks like flag charges going off. That's what you're seeing going up the building. And the first thing, the guy that was the head of the janitorial services was eating, having his, you know, eating a little bit of something for breakfast and drinking his coffee. And he got knocked out of his chair by an explosion in base in the sub basement. He went down there to the big huge steel doors and got a third degree burn trying to grab the metal handle to open it up on these big huge doors where the furnaces are. He thought the furnaces had blown up. And so it was so superheated, it had welded them shut and he got second degree and third degree burns on his hand. Then he went back up to call 911. And then there was explosions going off above him. And so people were even saying, fire department people were saying as they're running up, they could see explosions on the floors above and below them. So all of what we're being told, you have nanothermite that was found in the ash. You have microwaves systems like we see in Paradise and in Lahaina. We see dustification weapons like you see in Lahaina and Paradise again, where you see steel like the buildings, the beams in as the buildings are falling, disintegrating from the end that's in the air. And it's not even hot. And the, the beam is just disintegrating as it's falling through the air. And why did Building 7 fall? What, sympathy? Oh, I feel for you. I'm going to come down too. And, and there's so much that's obviously not possible that, of what the narrative is. It's the same thing with the narrative, like I said, in Ukraine, that they're making slow advances and they're through the first line and the second line of defense and all of this after $60 billion for this failed counteroffensive that's been going on for, uh, I think we're past the month three. And they said, oh, we, Millie has said, we still have 30 or 45 days left before the rains come. They Things could change. I'm a half cup kind of positive, half cup full kind of guy. You know, um, what more are you going to do but kill more people? It's time like it was last March. You could have come to the table last March like you did in Istanbul and get the treaty you had then. You're too stupid to pick it up. You're not going to be Obama himself, one of your own, said you cannot out manufacture and produce Russia. Like I said, let's look at the history of invading Russia or fighting Russia. And, you know, Tucker saying that there's going to be a confrontation of the U.S. with Russia. No, there's not. No, there's not. You want, you want to know why there's not? Because they can't. They can't do it. We've given everything to Ukraine. Our economies are collapsing. All our armaments are gone. All of our ammunition is gone. All of our tanks are gone. What are we sending? Busted up F-16s coming out of graveyards? <laughs> Airplane graveyards over there? We have to get them so they can at least fly a little bit? I mean, come on. Totally ridiculous. So what are they going to fight Russia with, which can outproduce an ammunition let alone all the other armaments, the entire EU, NATO, and the United States, and the UK put together. And they're saying, well, we're 
we're budgeting for that and we're expanding to do that with what factory our factories aren't built like russian factories where they have huge amounts not being used for expansion and who's going to run those factories the people they're bringing back to make the patriot missile systems that are 65 year old people and above because they're retired and you don't have young people being trained to do it anymore you don't have the stem graduates in the Western world, science, technology, you know, mathematics, you don't, engineers, you don't have those. You look at the journals, you know, the, the journalist, journal uh, schools, I forget the correct term right now, sorry. But you look at the, the schools where you were trained back in the day to run steel mills in the United States. Those all went to China. You go and look at what you're being taught in Canada, and the U.S. in a trade school. You're taught how to fix things, not build things. You're taught how to fix trucks and cars and these things. You're not taught how to build them, how to forge steel, how to, you have to get people out of retirement to build the Patriot systems because you don't have trainees. So you're going to expand the factories with whom? You build up new factories by who's go who is going to build those. Okay, we can build factories still, but can we man them? No. How long does it take to train people to do that? Years. We don't, you're going to go with to Russia when? Four or five, 10 years from now? By then, Russia will have be able to out manufacture you by 10 times more than what it can do now, which is 10 dimes. And you're talking about doing that with Taiwan and China. Now you're talking a hundred times the entire Western world. You're out of your mind. Uh, Scott, Ritt, uh, it was Colonel McDouglas or Scott Ritter, one of the two said that um, he knew a person that was in the Pentagon, something like Hubble or Hull or something like that, that gamed out a war with China. And there is no scenario in which we win. There was a Canadian uh, warcraft uh, cruiser, I think it was, that was almost rammed going into the South China Sea because China looks at that as not international waters. It looks at it as their own waters. And they said, what if that had happened and we'd gone to war with China? You would have lost. <laughs> what would happen? What will happen if we go to war with Russia? Well, what happened when Napoleon did? What happened when Hitler did? He lost. <laughs> That's what happened. What happens when we do? We lose unless you go to nukes. And then everybody loses and you still lose. And they just they happen to lose with you and all life on Earth loses. There is no win scenario going to war with Russia. And they do not want that. How do we know that? What did they go in to take they're supposedly going to take all of Ukraine. That's what Blinken's saying, that, oh, you know, we stopped them from taking the whole thing. That was never in the four reasons they went into the Ukraine in the first place. Denazification, demilitarization, getting the people in the Donbass from being launched weapons on them all the time since 2014. Thousands and thousands of people and children and innocent people died, dying like they're still doing. And now we're going to send attack them and the Originally, we we're saying we will make sure they don't use them against the mainland part, you know, to be able to launch from Ukraine to Moscow. Now we're saying we will trust them 
oh yeah, like we've trusted them with the drones that they're using on Moscow and they're launching from where? On the air base in the far northeastern part of Russia, which is near Estonia, that to get from Ukraine, you have to overfly all of Belarus with a drone. Uh, the drone doesn't have that range. <laughs> so it did not come from Ukraine. But we're going to trust these people. They never, ever have upheld anything. The Russians are going to go to the peace treaty now, to the table now, after the Minsk Accords and what Merkel said and Sternberg said and all these other people said the Minsk Accords were just to build it up, to build Ukraine up, to attack Russia. That's the point. So they're going to go to the peace treaty now and do a peace, you know, peace table and do a treaty now or an armistice to freeze it so they can build it back up. Right. No, they're not. Now you have got them to the situation where they may have to demilitarize all of Russia, all of Ukraine. Russia may have no choice to just because can we trust anything the Western world says, like when the Berlin Wall fall and we said, you know, I think it was Gorbachev said, not one inch further. We'll take down the wall and all this, but NATO, not one inch further. We've gone many, many dozens of countries further. So all the way up, that's what they wanted Ukraine. On the border, NATO, on the border of Russia, with long-range attackums and all TARS missiles and things from Germany and all this stuff. What if the U.S. had Russia or China coming into Mexico and putting long-range missiles that could hit D.C., Chicago, New York, San Francisco, in Mexico? We would level it. That's what we would do. Now we're pretty much getting towards that with Russia by what our constant funding and our constant sending more and more and more weapons with more and more rage. Look at what we would do and figure it out what they will do. They've been very restrained, very restrained. They went initially with shock and awe, a quick attack on Kiev, they did not get beaten out of Kiev as per the treaty they signed in Istanbul. They removed themselves to show good faith. They did not come in to take all of Ukraine. With a small expeditionary force, you're going to take a city of millions. They don't even have enough people to take Kiev, let alone all of Ukraine. <laughs> Give me a break. They still don't have enough mobilized now, but they could. And they have before in World War II, they mobilized very quickly and they have the factory's production capacity to, to sustain a war like that. We do not. We do not have what military are we going to mobilize to fight that army that they mobilize? What army? 30, 40 year old men, most of them today are playing Game Boy in their mom's basement. You're going to mobilize that person and teach him how to fight combined armed warfare when five years from now yeah but next year no so make up your mind and by using some common sense we are not going to war a kinetic war with russia the neocons will not do it. Why? Because they can't do it. They know they can't. And they're not going to start something that will destroy them utterly from the earth. 
that will wipe them out on the earth because they are a parasite. The, the Khazarian Mafia are a parasite. Everywhere they go, they go into the most advanced, powerful country on earth, like Rome, and turn it into a conquering empire that goes across and conquers everything and hollows out the infrastructure of that country like a, like a virus, like a parasite that eats it from the inside until there's nothing left. And you first, you start to see the coins becoming sandwich coins and taxation and all this stuff happening and all the young men and people getting killed until it falls apart and it collapses from the inside. Same thing happened with Atlantis by the same group. Same thing is now happening in the U.S. We need to wake up before we collapse. Same with Europe. You need to wake up. Stop listening to the Bidens, the Vanderlands, and all of the bear box and all of these useful idiots. We need to go back to the constitutional republic we were and the lawyers that are honest and all of these people need to get together and stand up against these people and take it to them where they can't do anything about it. Take it to their pocketbook. Go to every single court that's out there. And if you get crooked judges, they can be sued too. So that's my huge soapbox. Thanks, Patriot Mike. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, you know, because there's people awakening every day and they, and they hear podcasts like this and, and many other good informational podcasts where this is good information for them um, because they need to really see the bigger picture outside of the programming. And I mean, just like you were touching on, like, what are we going to send a little kid or young men playing video games in the basement? I mean, we've got furries now inside of our, <laughs> our military unit. So it's like, you know, uh, I totally agree with you 100%. And I also saw an article come past the other day um, over on Telegram that Kim Jong-un is sending thousands of troops to Russia in exchange for, for technology. Um, I'm not saying the whole article right now, but it, it was in that terms that there's troops being sent for exchange for technology. So, I mean, that they're, they're getting even, even bigger uh, with more personnel and what's going on I believe what you stated how they want old men and all this in Ukraine is it seems like they're panicking and, and they're they're losing the fight and uh, like you said hopefully there there comes down to be some treaty or, or something because uh, this can't this can't keep going on you know and we need to get back under the republic yeah that I appreciate you yeah, there was during World War II, I mentioned when Germans started doing that, when they, they were collapsing and they're getting young men and women and old men. I think it was Hochstetter Group or something like that. I'm, I'm a little deprived of sleep. I only had five hours in the last two days. So um, my brain's not pulling up words, but they actually got in the way, in the way of the regular military that Germany still had left because the heavily trained, well, you know, provided what's left of the Banderite forces in Ukraine. For example, men, young men that are thin, lean, mean, hungry, tired, cold, and will fight still. That's not what we have in the U.S. We have a bunch of people, you know, I've, I've got with some of them, you know, in martial arts, and I said, you need to lose weight, you need to get thin, you need to get tough. 
you need to do a four-day cleanse and fast. They come back to me after a day and a half. I couldn't do it. Why? Well, I got so hungry. Hungry? You got, you've got an inner tube around your waist that's eight inches thick. <laughs> without food for four months. You haven't even done four days. It was a four-day fast. It wasn't a 40-day fast like I've done. But, you know, it's, it's a doable thing for the first time, four days. Get past your habit of feeding your face every single day, three, four, five, six, eight times, or all day long while you see, play your Game Boy <laughs> or whatever it is you're doing down there now. I, Game Boy, you see my age, but, you know, <laughs> um, you know the, these young men today, I'm not saying all of them, a lot of the cowboys, you go to Cheyenne Frontier, there's, those are some tough guys. <laughs> I was up, you know, on my sabbatical and we watching these guys with the horses and stuff, I, but there's a tough guy, you know, that's a guy that grew up with family values, Christian values, understanding and you know taking care of the children and protecting the children and raising them with values to have children and grandchildren like this country was like putin said the people of the united states that are not tied into this neocon baloney of a i mean yeah there i will say yes they have the spartans were all homosexual you know the 300 that fought in the kyber pass that defeated the entire I think it was the the Huns that were coming in, thousands of them, because they were, you know, couples fighting together. But that's, you know, and they were, yeah, go ahead. It's it's funny you say that because my cousin, he's a, he's a freaking history nerd geek. Uh, He's um, on my Sicilian side, he's Irish and Sicilian, and he's all about, history he was awakened to a lot of stuff when i was younger and i just wasn't i just wasn't there yet and he was telling me that those 300 you were talking about like they had sex with the other man because they bonded with their brother so then they would defend them and it made them stronger in war and it's funny that you brought that up because i did learn that from him Yeah, what you actually had was an older, well-seasoned warrior taking on a young man and training him, and they were lovers, so they would fight to the death for each other. They were in love with each other. They were an entire group of that. I'm not saying that gay people can't fight and be strong and be lean and mean and tough. It used to be, you know, there were bars like that where, you know, there were gay bars, and they were mean, lean, and tough in the 50s and 60s, but that's not what you have today with the gay pride and the LBGTQ. Look at the people. Do they look mean and lean and you would not want to meet them in a dark alley? No, not really. There are a few still, but not mostly. What I'm saying is to make it a point to show in public your persuasion in your sexual proclivities is not what sex you are. It's your sexual proclivity. And to make that the focus of what you are in the U.S. military and you're an officer and you're a high-ranking person, that makes for a weak military. If you do it the way the Spartans did, you can be it, you can make it strong, make an entire diver, diver, division or a battalion that way. Yeah, you can make it seriously powerful. But to go and focus on this and not focus on the point of what you're in a military for, you're to defend your country and do you know the things if that's 
what you're being a real country and defending the country and not being a conquering empire. If you're going to be a conquering empire, sooner or later, you're going to hollow out your country and it's going to collapse from the inside. That's what the Khazarians always do. And then they move on to the next host. And so now it's the U.S. and the Western world. And so we need to kick these people permanently out of the planet or off the planet or send them back to God as they did with No Name and all of the various sundry others that they have already. So, you know, not our job to judge them. That's God's job. But if they're breaking laws like molesting children and trafficking children, there are laws that we can send you to God to be judged. We're judging you under the law of the Constitution of the United States of the Republic. So thank you, Mike. No, thank you. And and thank you for uh, joining me again. And I, I would love to probably next time probably do some Q&A and probably bring a couple members on because you're heavily followed and, and loved and the knowledge that you give is is awesome for many of us. Yeah, um, thank you. I'm a little fragmented to this. I said I'm kind of like kind of footloose of fancy free and rambly. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it's great because you're giving you're giving good insight, you know, and we don't we don't get a lot of that. Um we don't get a lot of that nowadays. Um, I'll just leave that there. But it's funny that what you brought up, and I don't want to keep on lingering because I know you've been on for a while, but I interviewed a gold star mother um, Saturday night. One of her son, her son was a Marine Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui. He was one of the 13 that lost his life in Afghanistan. And she she brought that up as well, you know. The Marines, we still have military that takes their all serious. And <clears throat> if we had a tyrant government right now trying to get them to go against the citizens, she's like, they're they're not going to go against the citizens. She says, but if you look how they're trying to collapse this, our, our military system is they're trying to bring in an ideology, fairies, uh trans and all that and and she says you know there's nothing against she has nothing personally against trans but then they're on the hormonal medicines which messes with the brain you know and they're going to be easy to be submissive to to a tyrant that wants them to go against their own people and that's kind of basically what you were saying and it it, weaken our military as well um so I, I want to thank you for everything that you were shedding because it's so true and people need to hear it because this is something they're so distracted in life with sports and, and other things that just they can't see past the matrix on how they're distracted. For once, they don't even know they're being distracted. They're not looking at these things that is a real serious threat. So when you're getting on yourself for blabbing, I just want to thank you for blabbing because you're touching on points that people need to hear. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah, just disjointed a bit. and Some of my facts and figures may be slightly off on some of the things. Like I said, my mind's not 100% focused as usual. I'm a little tired, but other than that, you know, getting back from my sabbatical, I'm trying to catch up. And so I kind of burning the candle at both ends. <laughs> So, uh, but thank you for having me back and, you know, thank you for the wonderful share and the questions and the comments and the narrative and everything. So very much appreciated, Patriot, uh, Mike.
Most definitely, Gene. And if you can uh, close out with uh, letting the members know how they can find your work, because I, I, we were on the chat and we were talking about the interview that we did when it was uh, Nikola Tesla, Howard Hughes, and the Trump brothers. I was telling a member, and he's like, really? He's like, I didn't even know Gene D Gene was even doing interviews anymore. I mean, I couldn't even find his stuff. I'm like, wow, really? I said, yeah, he's on Rumble. True social, and I sent the the member a private message of your rumble. Um, so if you could provide where the members can find your work and and stuff like that, and I really appreciate it, Gene. And hopefully we can have another show one of these days when your schedule permits. Absolutely. So um, on Rumble and True Social and Telegram, I am precisely the words of real Gene Decode. Nothing after that, nothing before that, not real Gene Decode one or official. That's somebody pilfering, even took the trademark logo, everything. So we're going after that. But um, I'm just real Gene Decode. Not anything after that. Number one, no official, no nothing. Just real Gene Decode. And then my website, I was able for the first time, I acted quickly before I built it. I captured the domain genedecode.org. So my paid site, which has a surface area where you can watch some things for free or $7 a month, which is a little bit under a quarter a day. Uh, we have tons and tons of decodes that I've done. My interviews are there. Also, they're on my other website that the $7 a month pays for, which is put up and maintained by the Blessed for Service team which is blessedforservice.org. And there's lots and lots of information and materials and my interviews are also posted there. So this interview will be posted there. It'll also be posted for the sites that are put at my interviews behind a paywall. I'm going to record them and put them behind my paywall in respect to them. But I will have those there as well. So we have the deep dives, which is the paid side, where the thing about the Tesla and the freeing the world through time travel plan and the Titanic Olympia and the creation of the Federal Reserve and all of those things. Uh, we are in the process of pulling videos and cleaning up and reorganizing and redoing some maintenance on the site. So right now there's not as much up as there was. Um, for example, Sun Tzu's Art of War is down and I'm gonna redo it myself with the perspective of somebody with a military career and 40 plus years of martial arts just in this lifetime alone, let alone other stuff from previous times. I'll do it from a uh, point of view. For example, in the art of war, you take the high ground and you watch Ukraine. That's what the Russians are doing. That flex zone I talked about with Robotinye in there, that's in the valley. So the Russians fall back. They follow them in, stupidly. <laughs> and then at night, and they capture the village in the morning. See, we captured the village. Hello. They hold it during the day while the Russians pound the bejeebers out of it from the mountains on the side. And they lose it by the end of the day. And then they take it at night again. <laughs> so the, hey, we took it again. <laughs> yeah, because they fell back at night and went up on the mountainside. <laughs> it's the art of war. <laughs> so I'll be redoing that along with Book of Five Rings. Uh, written by Miyamoto Masashi. Uh, I've studied Kendo and also under Miyamoto Masashi. So have a kind of a firsthand viewpoint of him and, and knowledge of, you know, some of his uh, te 
two sword school and do that from a different point of view. So we are doing some things to the website. So there's videos going down and going back up. Uh, we just got two new testing the waters up kind of Q&A thing we do where a few of the BFS ask me questions and just a few little things. And you can sometimes get some of those for free on surface area, which is the free site at gdeco.org. So that's my two websites, gdeco.org and blessforservice.org. And then Deep Dives is the paid side of gdeco.org. It's $7 a month or 77 a year, which is a little bit under a quarter a day. It's not bad. It's a pretty good value. And even still with the things we have pulled down, there's well over a hundred videos up there. There's enough to keep you busy while we get the rest of the stuff uh, redone and put back up again. <clears throat> we're changing the way we're doing things a little and kind of making it, it more easy to use the website too and understandable because the server we're on, they've never had a site built from code before. We're the very first one ever. And so it's a learning experience for them and for us as well. So we're on the way to getting it all done and we're closing in on it, but we're working, me and the Bless for Service are working very hard on that. They're all in there editing and doing things and it's going to be even better than it was before. So the things that are up are up and there's the new stuff will go up and the old stuff will come down and go back up again. So it's still well worth the $7 a month. I, I believe that it's, you know, there's so much material there. It's phenomenal. So thank you, Patriot Mike, for allowing me to plug all of that. And thank you for everyone listening to Patriot Mike and me. Uh, support Patriot Mike because there are not many people like conservative Patriot that are out there giving you the hard facts and the truth and pushing through and respecting other people and doing the right thing and not playing games with you and not slip slapping other people around of other truthers out there. That's not who we are. I don't support those people. And so let's not support those people that call down other people, other truthers. If you don't like me or you don't like whoever, just don't go there. Don't listen. You don't have to slap people down and put your two cents in. I don't like so-and-so because they said this or they do that or whatever. Just go away. Like I used, we used to say in the Navy when I was in the submarines, don't go away, man. Just go away. <laughs> so if you don't like it, just go away. <laughs> you don't have to get mad. Just go away. Go find what resonates for you. Go find whoever it is that resonates for you and stop saying bad things about whoever. That's judgment. Judgment is God's only. And the court systems under the country you're in for the laws of that country. That's it. Thank you, Patriot Mike, and God bless. Thank you, Gene, and God bless you as well, sir.